Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, Game of Thrones, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. everyone, I'm Guile, and I tweet at Door Podcast, and tonight I'm joined by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chikrin on Twitter. And Clotho? Hi, I'm Clotho, and you can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. And Lot? Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen post on Tumblr. And Kama? Hi, I'm Kama, and I'm the hyphen real hyphen Kama Splice on Tumblr. <laughs> Oh, my favorite Tumblr. And tonight, um, we are doing a special episode, which I think we're entitling A Dream of a Dream of Spring. And what we wanted to talk about was how the ending of Game of Thrones has or hasn't influenced our conception of what the A Song of Ice and Fire endgame is going to be. Um, As such, given this topic, uh, I would say heavy on the spoilers, and I think it's also possible we're going to get into unpublished materials, whether that is um, hacks from HBO, editor's <laughs> notes, um, rumors. Uh, there's probably a few a few things that we're going to get into. And if you don't want to be spoiled for, this sounds so bizarre to say, if you're not, if you know, spoiler warnings for what a dream of spring. <laughs> like, I don't know. We're never going to get, but you know, yeah. maybe you're young, and yeah, you might you, be alive. Yeah, you might have a shot at it. So, um, where I kind of wanted to start the conversation out was just around the around the idea, and I'll go around the room here. What percentage of the ending of A Song of Ice and Fire do you actually think that Game of Thrones spoiled? Ooh, five. <laughs> I was going to be generous and give him ten. No more than ten, yeah, <laughs> five to ten. <sighs> I think I think they got the like maybe a point here or there, like an end point, but there's no way they delivered on how that's actually going to come to be. Yeah, just some of the conversations, even like that article about Jorah, like we wanted him to live, but then he didn't. It's like, it's like you, how can you even guess? It's so hard because it seems like they didn't even know. <laughs> I feel like I would say it's like thirty or forty percent actually. Oh, I mean if you look if you look at it just as like plot points, maybe not execution. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if at least at least a third of it is real. Do you think even George has that much done? Well though? that's the thing, yeah. isn't it? Not just done, but like the way Thought that he of. writes, he yeah, he I'm will allow himself to be pulled in other directions let's put it that way if the characters are pulling him is not i guess my percentage is like if we're thinking of this in terms of a very sketchy outline that they have those kinds of things like they have the furthest out the roman numeral points but they don't have the stuff indented underneath yeah they have like the headers for every section maybe that's where I was going with the percentage. But even there, I question a few of the headers, quite quite frankly. So um, so one thing that we're doing that's a little bit new, and 
we'll probably talk about it at the end of the episode too, is on the Jamie Brand subreddit, we had a suggestion to um, create threads for particular episodes and gather questions there. So we've um, invite you to participate and we'll have more details on that at the end. But um, for this episode, we do have a number of questions um, that I think makes sense to read within the context of the episode. So Buck O'Hare kind of gets into this, into what you guys were just talking about, that, you know, the biggest problem with trying to predict the ending is that George is a gardener. And, you know, Jamie was going to be king in the original pitch outline. Mm. And, you know, is it possible that his intentions for ending the story back when he met with D&D have shifted since then, since, you know, the characters are leading him in another direction? I mean, I think definitely you could say since he originally met, or wait, are we talking about the after the post-season three meeting or the original meetings? I think it's the post-season three meeting. Uh, uh, yeah, it's hard to know how much might have changed since then, but I mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised if things have changed since then, because here's the question we've always had, right? Given the way George writes and his resistance to outlines, which I completely understand. Yeah, they're um, in the ass. I mean, like, like if you asked me, I'm not an outliner either. If I outline something, I don't want to write it anymore, as far mm. as fiction goes. And um, mm. if you asked me, like, okay, what are the two or three things that you know are going to happen at the end of the story? I could tell you, but it would literally be two or three things. Like, the rest of it, I wouldn't, like, necessarily know. And I would say of the two or three things, probably only one of them would be, like, unchangeable. So uh, that's why I kind of question exactly how much he told them and mm. exactly how much he even knows for sure, I guess. Certainly, he clearly knows some things, has some some things he wants to hit, some scenes he wants to do, and he'll work toward them. But. So is there anything that happened on the show in the last two seasons, let's say, that you think is going to happen in the books? It's I'm not. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I said no, I'm go, more go. optimistic that they're gonna uh, Jay, Jamie and Brian are gonna bang. <laughs> you know, honestly, that might be the only thing that I would say. I th- well, I think too. I think that, and then I think Sansa's uh, Sansa's gonna be crowned a queen. Whether it's queen and the whole shebang, it's gonna be a oh, battle. See, that's something I think was just no. fan service. I oh, you do? Oh, oh, that's oh, so yeah, interesting. No, I don't. It's just like how. You I know. Don't... The one thing, it's not my idea, and I cannot remember the name. It was like another podcaster who I think conjectured that the siege of um, the sacking of the city is not done by Daenerys, but by John Connington. And I thought that, like, I see, like, them doing the sacking of King's Landing, but I don't see it done by Danny. I, I think that makes a lot of sense, that idea that it maybe it's John Connington. Well, obviously, yeah, Aegon is going to conquer King's Landing. Landing. John Con's probably going to do all the military Terry stuff, yeah. Uh, but I don't and then know. Do you think I, this is a, you know, in that case, do you think this is a King's Landing goes boom? Because I just, I've never been convinced that the wildfire that, you know, Jamie's apparently at fault for because he didn't call the EPA is actually something that is going to do anything. I never really? thought I, that hmm. the whole wildfire explosion of the sap made much sense, but that's just me. So do you think they just took that, like that was supposed to happen in the end, like that was supposed to be the King's Landing, and they just turned it into the sap thing? 
Maybe. Okay, so why would they I, blow their load like that? Yeah. Oh, so early. Is the um, June or is the third weird. season me? I remember watching some live eight, like Facebook coverage of like the premiere, and it might have been the third. They all mesh in my head now, and I remember them interviewing D and D, like whoever the stupid people who were the hosts, and I remember D and D seeming incredibly pissed about their meeting with George, like. Mm on fire piss trying to hold it in yes. and I kind of wonder if he had given them like the sketchiest of sketchiest of plot points to begin with and they were supposed to be getting more from him and then he basically said yeah I don't have it so well that's clearly what happened I mean there, there was clearly a total communication breakdown between um, D&D and George um, yes. after season three wrapped like between between them finishing principal on season three and and basically before they started season four that whole period of time but he wrote all an of episode press, for season four he did write an episode for season four but That's all of the plan. press and but that would have been decided probably yeah. before that point okay yeah all the press from that period was clear like they they were talking like they were living in in different universes like they yep. weren't even yeah. speaking the same language so and it was clear there was some issue. And when there. did the set blow up? Was that in the fifth season? Was That's that the, I think the fifth or the sixth? Fifth. I think it was well, the sixth. I gotta sixth. say, I I do think Cersei's gonna use wildfire. I think that's what she's got in her back pocket. It, like in feast has that moment where she burns down. Is it? It's not the tower of the hand. The what hand. Ta- the, ta- yeah, is, yeah, it is. Tower it's the, the tower of the hand. She's watching it burn and she's enjoying it. And Jamie's thinking fuck she looks like Eris. i mean like i think that's going somewhere we already know she's tried to use the wildfire because she's the one who first came up with it for blackwater so, so maybe they utilized it just to get rid of a lot of characters at once because they couldn't figure out how to tie their endings I, up I don't like, just easy that she would necessarily blow up blow up the sept i wouldn't be surprised though if she's using it against the tyrells i mean the yeah, tyrells yeah. are with kevin dead the way that everything's left at the end of dance the tyrells have got you know as much control as they can with what the faith is up to and yeah because i can't see them wanting to even tie up the faith storyline could you imagine D&D wanting to like neatly tie that up (laughs) but i guess what i'm saying is based on how pissed they are i got the impression that they got stuck with having to come up with way more of the plot than they had intended to so that's why (laughs) i intend i kind of lean towards a lot of this shit was never in the game plan that this is a lot of them interpreting okay well he said this let's have this happen and they oh, yeah, no, can't stand I, that actor yeah. let's pad it i think they padded a ton in five and six i think yeah. five and six could have been uh, cut way yeah. way down i think i've 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 been saying that since those seasons aired i was just like this is just there's no reason for this and then like what they did with dorn in the end proved Made that no that was true <laughs> It's so crazy that they thought Stoneheart was a dead end, but yet they did another storyline that was a dead end. No damn sense. (laughs) I don't think that they thought anything. I think that they didn't want to have Michelle Fairley as a zombie. She would have been a cool-ass zombie. Like, who could look at her? She's awesome. Her titties would not have been hot. They just needed hot titties. That's (laughs) all it was. I'm convinced. Well, like everyone says, they kind of wanted more money. I mean, that is another possibility. I think it's supernatural element i think they didn't like the supernatural element of it despite the fact that there was so much yeah, resurrection like already yeah so let's do a fantasy show <laughs> but it could i mean it could have been those whatever they was it the cube i mean or whatever again, they talk about that, they had to but i mean well, the not to be the dead horse but benioff um yeah. 
adapted the Iliad without the gods. So, I mean, this is completely up their alley to, you know, adapt a fantasy like, series without, without fantasy. fantasy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, so going to go on to do Star Wars, which is not exactly grounded in reality, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to make it gritty. I don't care. They can go ruin Star Wars. <laughs> So we have a Reddit question from, or Reddit comment, rather, from Min Sedai, who says, you know, to what extent will George's writing be influenced by the audience reaction to the end of Game of Thrones? Oh, God, if he's, like, reading everybody writing, you know, if people are writing him letters and he's reading them, I can think he might be... Or is he just, like, gleeful, you know? Okay, but there was, like, a a huge gap, right, between Feast Feast and Dance, wasn't there? Yeah. Did, yeah, I mean, did, did he, people were reading that and presumably conjecturing. I don't think yeah. those, I mean, they weren't on the same scale, but did he, do you think he made changes I remember based him on go, that? No, but I remember that he went through a whole phase of saying how he was deliberately not reading anything in fandom, like theories and stuff after a certain point. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't know if that was partly because it was bothering him that people were figuring things out or if he just wanted to act like he didn't want anyone to think that he was writing it because they came up with it. I'm not really oh, sure. Gosh, because then you I think, think probably if, a little bit of both. Because if you're reacting yeah. to something, if he's, his thing is like, you know, that whole theory that D&D were reacting, oh, we don't want to pick something somebody else picked, then you're totally not being natural. You're not writing naturally. You're not writing things that make sense when you're just being reactive. So that's probably so, a wise choice. <laughs> So I, I think like this sort of ties into maybe one of, and I think we'll get into some Jamie Brand specific stuff, but let's talk about Bran because, um, you know, there was this interview that Isaac Hempstead Wright gave where he indicated that D&D told him that George R. R. Martin told them that Bran was going to be king. And, you know, do you guys believe that? Mm-hmm. And if so, um, what, you know, what do you, what do you think of that? We have a number of, you know, we have a number of comments like, you know, is Bran a benign ruler or is he, you know, the tool of Blood Raven? Well, tool of Blood some... Raven is the way I'm going to go. Yeah. I think that's better. <laughs> I mean, it makes more sense to me. Uh, I mean, I, I assume Blood Raven's going to die, though. Don't, I mean, mm-hmm. h- how do you have Brendan Rivers and still have Bran be the. Well, I mean, you know, to me, I, I guess I'm sort of. Maybe this is me being in denial, but I do sort of reject the idea that Bran is necessarily going to be king, and that is like the truth. Because so do I. I, mm. I think like really D and D, you you knew four seasons ago that Bran was going to be king, That's so and you did not. You didn't write to it. Wasn't like, there some stupid? I don't know how you want to fire it is. <laughs> Some um, some email or something i've been trying not to pay attention to that crap because i don't know what's legit and not but i well, can yeah, swear there's, I saw some... a, there's a hacked email where they talk about how they wanted to fire him but george suggested that they didn't oh they want to there... fire isaac isaac yeah Did they say why the no but uh, you know they wrote him off for a season they wrote bran and his whole yep. storyline off for a season and at the time there were rumors and again, I don't know why I've never gone back to try to f- figure out exactly what was happening because I wasn't paying a lot of attention to it because I didn't really care that much. But there were rumors that there was an issue with either Isaac or with his representation or maybe his parents. I'm not really sure. Oh, well. um, I, I, those were rumors. Yeah. I never did know for sure. Mm-hmm. And I haven't gone back to find out anymore and you know how, what my memory's like. But well, if they were trying to fire him, then I think there might be something that what Guile's saying is like, why, if you know this is your end character who's going to be king 
why would you ever want to fire him? Why wouldn't or why you would develop you write a, him out of a season? Like, why wouldn't you oh, develop the character so that yeah. it's a logical what? extension? Like, that's to me like the thing is you. Well, can I just say? I mean, like, I think most of us have thought for a long time Bran is going to be central to the resolution of things with the others for sure. I mean, like, he's he's the first POV chapter that exists in this series. I mean, he's clearly going to be central to things, and I I don't doubt that he will have some sort of leadership role. Like I've been trying to like find a more modern way to put it, but I keep saying like a, a biblical judge or somebody who's just appointed as like maybe a wise person who kind of oversees things. Like a, a theocracy kind of like a spiritual of leader. Along those lines. But I don't long... see a king on the iron throne for Bran. I, I don't, I, I would be shocked if that's really what right. George is doing. Maybe he'll do it. I mean, see if he does it, it will make sense to me. But as looking at it now, from what we know, I it would, it seems really surprising. And while I actually think that in the in in the way the show was structured, if the show went for it and for several years seeded this that Bran is actually the bad guy and he's mm-hmm. manipulating everything, like that actually would have been sort of an interesting ending. But I think, you know, in the books you have Euron who is sort of already that flip side of Bran and it's like yeah. If Bran goes bad, then what's the whole point of Euron, I Euron. guess? Like, yeah. there needs to... And, you know, we already have Mel there sort of thinking that... side to Bran. Oh, there I is, absolutely. But definitely. The story is about him potentially overcoming that, right? Like, yes, yes, you hope. And here's the other issue that George is facing is Bran's age. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. the other thing is, when I read... I mean, you know, I don't read a lot of Bran chapters. I did don't always read them on rereads, but when I read Blood Raven, he doesn't sound like he's become some other human being to me. He sounds like still a person with a personality. Right. I don't see what they did on the show with Bran. Yeah. Removing his personality and saying, oh, he's something I else mean, now. I, I doubt that's really what George is doing. Yeah, and the Blood well, Raven, we meet a couple characters. Mm. That flat affect thing. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, with all of the characters, they all do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I think the Blood Raven that we meet in Brand's, you know, Brand's flying chapter, it really reads very much like the Blood Raven that we meet in the Mystery Night. Like Doesn't it reads it? as the same person Doesn't to me. I, yeah. That's what I'm thinking, you know, it's just like sounds like the same guy to me. I don't think he's become some other, you know, fully godlike being just because he can see everything. Or that he's I mean, the thing is is like people feared Blood Raven, but there was never the sense that Blood Raven was evil. Blood Raven was a no, you know Blood, Blood Raven's pretty gray, but I wouldn't say evil. No, right, right. He is you know he is a tool for the tar. You know he supports his relatives for the throne. I mean, and he's pretty like pragmatic in it, but I wouldn't say that he's evil. You know, yeah, like a and, Jamie type who can do what needs to be done, but yeah. you know isn't evil. Yeah. Right. So it's it's like what would. And, you know, his assuming that he's had this, like, bad experience with Euron, like, I don't think that's going to suddenly make him evil. I think that's probably going to make him more determined. Like, he might be a darker gray in terms of pushing Bran towards becoming something because mm-hmm. the, of the immediacy of, like, the multiple threats. Mm-hmm. Like, that might be it. And, you know, we talk about, you know, John having to kill the boy. I mean, isn't, you know, Bloodraven might be in a position where he's actually more actively doing that. Like, he's killing Bran because of what the world needs, if that makes sense. 
So, I mean, I feel like he's maybe the character that goes darker for the greater good, in a way. I mean, among among many characters, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, the bottom line, though, I think Bloodraven has to die in the series. Clearly, you know, it has to be Bran who has this power or whatever the hell it is. And um, I just, I don't see Bran on an Iron Throne. I'll be really frank with you, I don't see an Iron Throne. I have yeah. said this the whole time, the context in which George began this series was... Mm-hmm. You know, Asia, Africa, the Middle East were all decolonizing, trying to draw their own right. map lines. Yeah. And, and you had all of the Eastern Bloc breaking up, particularly yeah. right at the point that George started writing. And he writes this story with seven separate kingdoms who were drawn together by this, you know, foreign conqueror with this yeah. nuclear power, basically. Yep. And everything that I see is seven kingdoms that pretty much want to fracture again. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I would be astounded if this is a six kingdoms and one. With yeah, him I mean, being a political leader. It's one thing, like, if he were, like, a, like, a, not even a well, Merlin, John, but a spiritual guide or something. Twitter says, is he going to be some weird spiritual horned man type king living on the Isle of Faces, you know? <laughs> Which he might be. be, you know, like an yeah, oracle. You know, yeah, that's that's kind of how I see it. I'm like, will it be a, a loose conglomeration of states? Like, Lot, you could maybe speak to this, but like, you know, an Iroquois League type thing where you have separate nations, but they come together to kind of do trade and everything together and kind of do some things together and maybe have a loose group of, of, of you know, joint whatever, but not, but still be very much separate kingdoms. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I could, I could see something like that happening because it's... <laughs> I don't know. I just don't. I I think George is trying to paint a larger story of the uselessness of a monarchy mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and the danger of a monarchy and mm-hmm. the uncertainty of a monarchy. Yeah, That's I mean, because right, you never know what you're gonna get. I mean, think back to Varys's speech, and then think about how that you know think of Varys's speech in the books, which is kind of like one of the last words that we you know one of the last canon words that we have. And then how does that connect to the ending of Game of Thrones? Like, it just seems like, again, literally the show is the exact opposite of Mm -hmm. the books. Like, you know, the whole point of it is that Varys is full of shit and you can't, like, manufacture a perfect ruler. And then the ending of Game of Thrones is basically like, here's our perfect ruler. (laughs) (laughs) Set for generations. It's all going to be great because the one guy could sleep under the stars. Do you think that, like, maybe that's why I think about Sam's, you know, pitch to that little council of whatever lords were left to, like, basically do a quasi-democracy. Do you think that was their attempt to maybe give a nod to where the end is going? I think that maybe is their attempt. I mean, there's some... Oh, there's some problematic shit in that final episode, which Mm -hmm. I think we talked about on there. And I think there's also a, you know... I think there's a lot of fuck yous in the ending yeah. to various people, and I think mostly part of us. Is, sorry, <laughs> no, I think I that's think accurate. There is a part of that that is a fuck you to the people who describe an ending like what Chicky is describing, which is that you know this is moving more towards you know the point of it is that there is more of self determination, there is more of you know more of a democratic movement, more. I mean, I hesitate a bit to say democratic because it's like we're talking about the right. kingdoms breaking up, but I suspect they will all still be kingdoms. Yeah, um, right. I mean, it, yeah. Y- you know, I mean, I think you're going to have, you know, just like self-determination <laughs> maybe. Is, is Yeah, I think I think uh, it's more about ethnic or, or, you know, community, like 
uh, I don't know, finding its own voice and, and kind of making its own way. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, like I'm saying, like, if you think about like an EU type situation or something like that, if the seven kingdoms like continue to work together in some sense, but maybe gain more autonomy, that's maybe uh, individually. That's maybe what I see. I don't know. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so one of our subreddit commenters, Fizzy, FizzyWiz, you know, kind of kind of got to the same point, you know, this saying, you know, this plan was conceived in the 90s and it wouldn't have aged well. And there's a lot of discussion surrounding some of the really problematic elements of the endgame. And, you know, given that George has been given this test run of his ending, which, again, I, I wouldn't conclude that this was his ending. But, um, you know, and the cultural <laughs> conversation has shifted since the 90s. Um, yes. You know, do you think... Again, like, is he going to stick to his vision? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, because I, oh, yeah. I don't think his vision is necessarily problematic. The problematic aspects of the story are, you know, things that are sort of, it's too late. Well, I guess we don't know. We, I, You know, it, it's tough not knowing. I mean, like, we haven't really talked about this yet, but it's like the Danny situation. And if John is the one who kills her, I mean, there's definitely some problematic stuff in that that... Do we think um, that's what happens? Yeah, I mean, no, do you I think don't. that's what happens? <laughs> Actually, I think Danny dies. I have been saying since, you know, time began that I see Danny dying. Um, I saw Danny dying more as a sacrifice, and yep. I kind of have talked totally myself agree. right back yeah. Not that I don't think mm-hmm. Danny will go dark, because I absolutely do think she'll go much darker. But Not she's dark going to go dark to go. light. You know, no, she's no. going she's gonna to burn the shit out of King's Landing. She's going to do some stuff that's going to be questionable. And I've said it the whole time. I mean, like in someone else's hands, if you look at the setup of the series, Danny is in many ways set up as the antagonist. She literally starts the series off wanting to kill everyone else that you love in the series. She wants Mm -hmm. to kill all the Baratheons. She wants Mm -hmm. to kill all the Lannisters. She wants to kill all the stuff. And I think she's going to save them. I think she will too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think she's the, she's the person that doesn't like, you know, Again, the show plays a little bit of lip service to this with the whole break the wheel. Like, I think she is the person that breaks the wheel in the books, but she's not someone that sticks. Like, she's not there to stick around for it. Like, she well, destroys no trees. I mean, that's her thing now. <laughs> you know, what? I mean, like, dragons plant no trees. Is right. Not her thing. You know, like, she's not going to be the person to rebuild it. She's the one who can break it. Yeah. I. I mean, I don't. Yeah, think I mean, if you want to go to like the yeah. the really strange allegory, like she's the plague. You know, she's the plague in. Uh, you know, 14th century Europe and, you know, all of the economic and, you know, the economic and social upheaval that happened by losing, like, all that population. Like, she's, like, the cause of... She's the cause of that, kind of, in a way, I think. And then, you know, like, a new world kind of starts to flourish because of it. Mm. In a way. You're making me think there's this really awesome video game I was watching that's kind of about the plague... And you're making me think of that. I mean, I'd like to talk about the plague on, like, a weekly basis, to be honest. (laughs) Who doesn't? I mean, who doesn't? And if you don't, you should. The plague is, you know, horribly fascinating. fascinating. Yeah. Well, if you're looking for a good game, a plague tale is really pretty awesome. (laughs) Writing that down. Of all of the things I think people thought we'd talk about tonight... (laughs) Plague is a, a benefit of um, no. It's probably not one of them. I don't know, uh, Clotho. Lot. What do you guys think? Do, how do you feel about the Danny death? Do you think oh, that's I real? Dan- I, I wanted Danny to die. I, I thought I didn't want her to hang around. That would have. That seems like too much of a pat ending if she lives, like, and she gets the throne and all that. 
So. Yeah, I think she yeah. has to die, just given that yeah. we all kind of feel like this Iron Throne and this monolistic monarchy yeah. is not going to exist by the end. Yeah, she has and to go. I don't go think because... she'd have it any other way. Like, that's the thing. I don't know. I mean, I guess if she was stripped of all her power, what could she do? But at the same time, it's like she's so embedded in the story that if you're stripped of all your power but you've been someone who's a threat you don't get to stick around yeah you know i mean there's too many people who have a vested interest in you not being around exactly they're not it's that's like when you hear like why you know catelyn's not into john i mean the reasons why you don't want those you don't want bastards you don't want former monarchs that's why i those people end up in exile it's because it's too dangerous for them so we have a a couple specific questions i want to get to and then i think um we'll switch gears and maybe talk a little jamie and brienne but um fizzywiz has another question and just go with the assumption that the show endgame matches george's plan um is it possible for him to get there in two books what do you guys think (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> apparently not <laughs> if it were we anyone else sure <laughs> he's gonna have to kill a lot of people <laughs> it's not that he just needs to make the story move he has lost the ability to just move through his plot he is dwelling far too much and he's world building and expanding and that's his major problem I mean we've said it several times we got the released chapters for wins Tyrion, two chapters, nothing significant happens, oh. nothing significant enough happens, I should say. Arianne, still traveling to John Connington, hasn't even seen him yet, two chapters in. And it's just like, you, you do the math on that, and you're like, oh, wow. If, if yeah. everybody has the amount of chapters they're going to have, nothing's going to happen in this damn book. Which I think, personally, is why we don't have it yet. I suspect the problem is not that he hasn't written 80 or 90 chapters for this book. It's that nothing happens in those 80 or 90 chapters and he's getting pushed back finally from his editor. So do you think that's his personality? Do you think those are like, that he just loves, he gets like a, gets a joy out of doing the, the, I think he falls in love with sections of his story. Like he fell in love with Jamie and Brienne and wrote an entire book and, you know, got involved in writing like fan fiction about them. Yeah. I'm always like, when people in general fandom hate Jamie and Brienne fans and the Jamie and Brienne ship, I'm like, you hate it for the wrong reason because I'm pretty sure we helped to derail A Song of Ice and Fire. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, he like he got fixated on that on that story yeah. and you know really wrote to it and because it's part- good, this, right? And I mean, not to get like super dark here, but if you told me that he had eighty or ninety chapters of wins, it would not shock me if he did not have a single Jamie and Brienne chapter. Oh gosh, like mm. I'm not sure that they're in. Like, I, I, do you think he's done? Or I mean, not not done totally, but do you think he got a little? There, he wanted a break I'm from sh- it. <laughs> he's he's not writing this book without any Jamie chapters. It's definitely he's done it, but. I mean, that's a huge story in and of itself. And it's really not going to do a ton for the, you know, quote unquote, end game of the whole thing. And it's not, no, not everything has to relate back to the end game. And you see this a lot from the big name fans who are like, oh, not everything has to go somewhere. And it's like, yeah, but if you want to finish it, it does. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The problem. Can I just say, I I am a lifelong procrastinator. I understand this, this beast very well. And the things that motivate me, I mean, other than the whole fear, which is a whole other thing, you know, why I have this, but the things that usually motivate me to get off my butt and do it are consequences. 
Mm. Like I need to get this thing in for work because it's due and my boss is breathing down my neck and I'm going to have a problem. You know, I need my job because, you know, like I yeah, have to do these things. <laughs> I don't think he has the impetus anymore. Yeah, I was going to say, what are like, his consequences? He seems to be quite well off. It's not well, like. Well, now it's Spike, huh? I mean, that's the thing. Like, they, <laughs> but I mean, like. We've given him motivation. I, but I mean, I think like the things that normally kept him going. Yeah, money. and I mean, yeah. he was probably doing quite well as a genre author. It wasn't until the HBO deal, though, that. You know, you now, <laughs> if he doesn't want to do it, it's not like he's got house payments or whatever. No, but I mean, I, mean, I think, A, there is spite against the showrunners, and B, oh, there's yeah. fear. Like, think he's so? a, I think oh, there's yeah. fear. It'll be tarnished. Yeah, I think he's yeah, super mad. Be tarnished. And then I think that there's fear because he's getting older, and he's afraid mm. that he's not going to finish this. And then if he doesn't finish Ugh, it, we'll look what happened. The other look what part. happened the first time he didn't finish it. Like, uh, these okay, people so wrote I, an ending that's the antithesis of what he wanted, I think. So, so I wasn't going to go there because it's a whole other side. But the reason people, like, at least that I have discovered with procrastination is there it's perfectionism and procrastination are tied very close together. If I get something out on time, I have this irrational fear that it's not going to work. It's not going to be good. People are going to find me out for the fraud that I am. If I get it out at the last possible minute, it tanks. Well, I got it out at the last possible minute and I didn't spend the time on it. But if it comes out well, well then see, I really am not a failure. (laughs) I, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of that at play with him. And you just kind of touched on some of the reasons he's afraid of certain things. And he doesn't have that stick at his back going, you know, you got to do this because we got debts to pay. I've got it. You know, he doesn't have that anymore. Yeah, he hasn't had that for a long time. But I'll tell you what's giving me hope is the fact that, I mean, I'm just going to out all of us right now. Um, You guys don't realize this, but we were planning to wrap up the podcast after this season and put it on the shelf until Wins what? came out. And here we are. We've got a schedule going now through the end of this year doing Jamie and Brienne rereads. We have all, every single last one of us. Talk about being fueled just, by spite. Yes, we have completely done a full-blown nosedive back into A Song of Ice and Fire and the book story. And I just keep thinking if it's done, and we're not the only ones. I'm seeing tons of people in fandom say exactly the same thing. And it's like, if it did this to us, imagine what it's doing to George to know what the reception of that mess has been. Because no matter what, even if 90% of it was his story, he's going to tell it better and in a way that will make sense. And he knows that. And he has to be absolutely fuming right now. Yeah. I mean, you think about he like the petition. <laughs> he probably did sign. Ah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, but think about like just obviously like Nikolai Castroaldo is like gutted, and I mean he you know he acted this stuff out like at the you know at least a year ago and has been you know had a script two years ago, and I mean he is still like gutted over the fan reaction and trying to reconcile it. And I, I mean the he's biggest just literally an yeah. actor in in it, and you I, think of you know. And the biggest tell on that is like there's no interview. Like, how do you that that had to be a choice? How do you interview that? You know, how do you respond to like funny questions about how that ended? You know what I mean? There isn't like there isn't any way to like joke around. And I think it's just funny that those interviews abruptly ended right before things started to get like downhill. Yeah, it's it, yeah, yeah. I mean, I. <laughs> 
so you know hopefully we're right on with the psychology people are like uh... but i mean i don't i mean this might be again really foolish i literally have i have no fear in the ending of a song of ice and fire like i don't think like it literally there's I, I can't even conceive of a way that it's worse than the ending of Game of Thrones. That's what I was thinking. It's horrible. <laughs> like, it's no, not it, even, it like, the outcomes, but, even like, George's how they got there. It has to be right. better. Like, <laughs> right. Like, like, make even an unfinished sense. series would yeah. be better. Yeah. Right. It I mean, at this point in time, the ending way? is yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Uh, yeah, it's a mess. Um, we have a question, a quick question from um, Steely M. Steel. Steely M23 on Reddit, and she just wants to hear our predictions for what roles, if any, um, Tommen and Marcella are going to play going forward in in the series. Like, you know, is Tommen gonna is Tommen gonna kind of just simply fall? Is Marcella, you know, what's is Marcella gonna play into it? What do you guys have any thoughts about those two characters? Well, they're gonna die. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure my beloved kitten king is going to bite the bullet, although he will probably not do it. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna. The way they himself. did it on the I show, because of course he's a child yeah. and not, yeah. you know, a 17 year old boy or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you could envision a scenario. Let's say that Cersei is gonna, um, you know, jigger something up to to get rid of the Tyrells or to, you know, or in the battle against Aegon, and you know, there's some something and. You know they're trying to escape the city before it happens, and oh Tom and doesn't. She does, and she gets to the rock, and mm. you know that. Well, I'm that, pretty sure he's gonna die. I'm just far. saying I don't think it's gonna be like of his own volition oh, no, I, suicide. I, you know, I just thing. went to a, mm. I went to an actual scenario, a potential okay. scenario for gotcha. it, yeah. not just given so, if we. I don't if know we about Marcella though, he, like. That was yeah. such a weird ending for her that it seemed totally pulled out of their ass. So I'm almost thinking that she might not. I don't know. Or is she going to die? Is she going to be a sand snake victim just in terms of like yeah, to, just, that mm. the reader knows that the sand snakes are kind of, you know, bullshit, mm. basically. Like they're, or, you know, Tommen is certainly in danger of being poisoned by. Yeah. By yeah. Sand so snake. maybe just fuck yeah. ups. Like somehow there's something fucks up and they die, but not like a. Yeah. Or it's more to villainize, you know, it's yeah, more to villainize else. show, you know, yeah. the extent to which the Dornish are, are willing to go in this game, you know? Yeah. So, or, or I always... Cersei goes mad because the Dornish, mm. like, kill her kids. Hmm. That's possible. Uh, I'm, I'm, so here's my thing about... Matt, she's already made that journey, but okay. My thing about Tommen and Marcella dying, and I do have different thoughts about it, you know, after I've done more deep dives in, into Cersei's chapters in the, uh, in the last, you know, five or six years. But I never understood why, if they were going to die, they weren't in Jamie's Weirwood dream with Tywin and Joffrey. Oh, um, I, I now think, I, I, I don't think I am, like, you as think positive George as I can be. you think about them? No, <laughs> I think he, you know, we all believe he retconned this whole Valonqar thing. Uh, um, yeah. And he didn't invent it until he wrote Feast. So is it just, uh, okay, just he hadn't that. thought of it yet when he wrote Storm? I don't know. I go back and forth. I, I've always been like, they don't necessarily need to die. Hmm. But uh, what I do think is if they die, I suspect... It will be the death of one of the kids. If Jamie's the Valonqar yeah. and he kills yeah, her, I think she'll cause one of the kids' deaths with her stupidity or something. And, and probably Tommen, because you know, if you think Jamie needs to get Widow's Whale for reasons, yeah. then yeah, you know, 
Yeah. And that was sort of yeah. always the feeling it kind of gave you that if he was going to do it, it would either be a direct threat to Brienne or the, the children. You know, something that or, she Or, you know, King's Landing country. again. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, I've been thinking about this past few days. I I can't see Jamie killing Cersei. I just can't. I don't I mean, see there's it. no passion, you know, like, that's the thing, like, sort of, like, the anger and passion and and whatnot is, is gone, but, you know, again, like, given the right circumstances, that could certainly... Would he kill back, her if but... he thought that was the only way to stop her? Well, she I mean, she always yeah. freaked no, me out, like, she's scared I don't think sh- so. Doesn't she scary? Like, she always scared the shit out of me, and I always worried about Brienne, like, I always have this in the back of my head, she's gonna try to do something to Brienne, I don't know why, but, like, she just scares me, I don't know, something about Cersei. I think in the show they seeded it, but then, of course, it didn't go anywhere. I got anywhere. that from the books, like, even before the show, I got yeah. from the books that, that Brienne's, you know, biggest um, potential threat was gonna be from Cersei somehow. Yeah. That was I mean, I hate it. I don't. I don't want him to do it. I, I've never liked it. I hate the whole concept of it, and I, it, I, you know, I don't like where it comes from with George. I, I don't like anything about the Valencar prophecy. I know there are a lot of people in Jamie and Brian fandom who kind of enjoy it. I'm not one of those people. Mm-hmm. I hate everything about it from beginning to end, and I don't want Jamie to have anything to do with it. But, I mean, it's just like we're talking. Like Jamie's the guy. <laughs> like I always say with the trebuchet and the baby it's like no Jess clearly Jamie's just threatening Edmure because he knows that's going to be enough to make sure that Edmure will do what he wants him to do but also if there is somebody who needed to put a baby in a trebuchet Jamie is the guy who can do that and that's why I think he there's really not much that he couldn't do properly motivated so I, I don't know that that there isn't a circumstance in which he'd kill her I just I hope it doesn't happen yeah just but Jamie didn't love Edmure's baby <laughs> Yeah, yeah but also, I think that's like, the point. I think you take him from the beginning of the books where he is this person who is willing to do anything for love of Cersei and you bring him around to the point where for love of someone else yeah, he, he would do. kill Cersei. Yeah, I can see yeah. from a, from that perspective why it makes a certain sense. I hope it's not what happens. I don't want it. I mean it could even be, you know, if it goes on longer, which it seems unlikely. I mean it could even be Tyrion involved in it too, you know, not in terms of him killing um, Cersei, I, but in terms of like Well, and and George did give himself some outs there. I mean like wasn't there well, there's something There's a lot like... of little siblings. Well, see, but yeah, I always felt like I mean... that was kind of, eh. I don't know, that always kind of read as kind of like a stretch there, like the area, like, which is why I, ho- I was hoping it didn't happen in the show, because I always thought that that wasn't going to be how it, you know, that, that was is of... him maybe giving himself the flexibility if he wanted to. Like, maybe he hadn't totally decided hmm. where he was going. And I feel the same way, Kama, because I and like, knows enough to know the way that he writes, he needs to leave himself outs with things outs. like that. Because it's like, he could. He could, because Clyburn, or what's his name, Quyburn did tell Cersei that it meant younger sibling. It didn't necessarily mean. Okay. Then, you know, like, yeah. I think so, I mean, George deliberately to, gave himself, yeah. like, okay, you know, I, I can do this if I yeah. want to. Do you think he did it to throw people off not the scent work out, if they figured it out early? <laughs> Yeah, okay. no. Well, I think it's, you know, I mean, I've read recent arguments that Loris is a really good candidate yeah. for it. And, you know, God knows he would yeah. certainly have, hmm. you know, the mo- you know, he'd have the motivation. And then if you think about Loris's, 
you know, the idea of Loras kind of following in Jamie's footsteps, you know, you have uh, uh, yeah. the parallel kind uh, of thing. Yeah, well, of him anything being... with the Loras thing, which I'd never really considered before, if you relate it back to the prophecy, if he is the younger brother of the younger, more beautiful queen, which is what Cersei has oh. created Marjorie to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he's then not... It starts the, to make a little bit of sense. The he's not Valentine. the younger brother of Marjorie. He's older. She's the youngest. But whatever. Is she? No. Yeah. In the books? God damn it. I think he's like 19 because he's Brienne's age and she's like 16. I thought he was 16. No, he's he's Brienne's age. Yeah, Marjorie is like 14 or 15 at the start of A Game of Thrones. So presumably she's about 15 or 16 by the time of dance. The other thing I always said was that, you know, it could be any younger brother that would make sense for Cersei. I don't see how it's Arya, but I could see how it could be like... Stannis, or you know, like a brother-in-law, or something. You know, there there are is, other places it could go. Is she on Arya's list in the books? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, there you go. Yeah. So I mean, she's certainly done her best at creating a, a wide variety of enemies. So I mean, I could see the show if if they had if he had told them that I could see the show saying, oh well, you know, if they hadn't killed the night knights, uh, night king, they wouldn't have her kill Cersei too or something. You know, who knows. Well, I mean, don't you think, though, when it comes to the ending, that, I mean... It, it would have made me, way more sense for Arya to kill Cersei than Yeah, than the Night right. King. Well, yeah, I, I mean, know. obviously, exactly. they wanted this moment of Jon killing Danny, so then they could not, absolutely could not also have Jaime yeah. killing Cersei. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. like... Well, see, part of my theory was that the reason that they really turned on, on Jaime, the showrunners, was after this thing between season three and season four. And I, I was always like, did they find out he's the Valonqar and did that piss them off? And is that why they've hated him ever since? I mean, oh. can we just say oh. for a minute, like how much they hate him? Because yeah. think about that fifth episode where they explicitly don't show him having a heroic moment of ringing bells and they killed him twice. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, like it's and just, whenever it's, they get opportunity, they throw in and that he's stupid. And that he's stupid. Yeah. yeah. But you know, when you really yeah. want to have a character that you create is dyslexic, and then make a point of having everyone call him stupid. Oh, oh, they're horrible people. Um, on a happier note, maybe. <laughs> so, what if anything does the show tell you about Jamie Brandt and Game in the Books? I'm a hundred percent certain they do bang. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was 100% certain before the show. Well, yeah, it does. Oh, okay. Like, you mean a new thing? <laughs> um, I mean, I'll tell you, you what was new for me. Do you think it, the knighting is, you know, is that new? Is that real? Oh, uh, I never thought it was real. I mean, I'd be fine with it. I'd be fine with it. So what do you think, what was new for you? I was going to say, for me, if there's anything that I took away from the show that I wasn't sure about in the books, it is that I feel like Jamie has to survive until the battle against the others. Yeah. Did you get that from the Weirwood dream? I felt it from the Weirwood dream, but I was like, they just would, I feel like they would have killed him off sooner if they didn't have a Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they didn't like him that much. (laughs) He would have been the shocking, like, sixth season. Like, right. Yeah, and the he fact would that have been the wrote, Peter Baelish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, the fact that they wrote into that script for for um, the third episode of season eight that Jamie and Brienne were fighting as one. They both had, you know, two sides of Ned Stark's sword. They didn't make any of that explicit on the show, but the fact that they put it in the script that they were fighting that way, I was like, this is a thing. They really do have to be in this fight. And they were with featured a bit, you know. 
And I'm sure George is actually going to make sense of why the uh, swords are important. Is there any, you know, so we had a, we had a question on Twitter about the swords and, you know, complain to Jamie and Bram, but other things too, like, you know, the show ignored them, but you know, what are, do you have any theories about, like, I was thinking today, it's like, is, is some of, you know, brand, uh, brand Raven. I've combined them into two. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. awesome. Brand Raven is so, awesome. Are some of his machinations, like, I was trying to think, like, oh, is it going to be something where the people that have weirwood swords are essentially like a king's guard for, like, a bra- for a brand at some point in the battle? Like, is that kind of, like, we're getting them into the hands of the best fighters? If you think, like, oh, there's someone, you know, for example, like, if we think Sanders coming to the Vale with, you know, Bran potentially in wins. Well, there's, um, I think Lynn Corbray or Corday. Mm-hmm. That family has a Valerian, a Valerian steel sword, oh, and it's like right. that. Yeah. You know, is is that part of it? Is that these like great, you know, the best, the best fighters or whatever are are sort of being formed up, you know, this way, and you know, with. John having long claw, and then Sam being now, you know, suddenly maybe in proximity. Well, not Sam actually, but you know, who knows who That's Randall Charlie's going to run into in the Riverlands that you know could potentially get Hearts Bane. Like, I don't know. I, it was like a it was a driving. Well, thought, there are or three or four hundred Valyrian steel swords yeah. in Westeros. There are a lot of them. So yeah, there are a lot of places. So there's a lot of. Them. But yeah, is there you know is there some kind of forming up? Like, are they that important? Well, they're important because um, unlike the way they did it on the show, I think it's implied in the books that the dragon glass, while it's fine for like arrowheads and like daggers and stuff, I thought that it was more brittle as swords mm-hmm. and that that was yeah. something of an issue. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't. So that's why the Valyrian steel swords, which can kill not, you know, they can kill the others. Right. This is the other thing that the show really, there are so many things about the way that the show handled the sorry, White Walkers on the show, but others in the books. Um, one of them is that you have to kill the whites with fire in the books. Right, I don't think yeah. we ever see anything but fire kill a white in right. the books. And they it's keep, the white like, walkers. Them in yeah. The show. So, like, and Jamie and Brian, all of their fire, swords. Right? They can only be killed by the swords, right? Yes, and the white walkers can only be killed by dragon glass or by uh, Valyrian steel. steel. So... I don't, I don't, I mean, you know, this is, this is part of why dealing with the threat of the others in the books is going to be a way more difficult problem than it was on the show. I, I, there's just no easy, neat cleanup and they're going to need the wall again, which I think we've talked about before. Um, so. Well, and we know we, you know, we have a king beyond the wall for, you know, we kind of forget that there are characters too in the, in the books that are long dead in the show that can have, you know, a really big impact. So, like, Stannis and Mance, like, these are characters that, in the battle against the others, are potentially, you know, really big players in there. Like, I mean, I think Stannis has to die in the books, but I yeah. don't really know when he dies. We don't know how far he goes, really. I mean, I feel like he's near the... Cli- I think he... I feel like he dies near the climax of wins. Like, I feel like wins ends in a really dark place. Well, and I, I'm, I hate it so much... Hate it, hate it, hate it. I'm sure Shireen. I, I'm sure he sacrifices Shireen. I'm, I'm like positive of that. I'm just sure, also equally certain that it will make way more sense than yeah. Like did. a lot of shit's gonna go down, and it's not gonna be a half inch of snow. 
Yeah, and I think he's going to... Well, no, I think it's like if he thought that was the only way to save the realm, he would do it. But I mean, it would this, have to be that... This is the question. You know, This is the question that Davos explicitly asks him, you know? Yeah. And we see the... I mean, if we're not going to see the resolution to it, then why, you know? Yeah. I would expect that from the show, but I wouldn't expect that from the books. Well, it depends on when he dies, though, because they're not together in the books. Right, yeah. right. That's why I think it See, has my to thing be is, I'm like, is along. Mel the one? Is Mel the one who's going to kill Shireen to resurrect John? Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, that's the other possibility. At the but wall. I feel like that's what I, feel I like wonder. Stan is sacrificing her is a lot more powerful, but you know, who knows? It, but that has to be set up so much better than they did. Or does Mel know that John is in Ghost? You know, like that's the other thing is we think John's going to be in ghost for a fairly significant time but actually i mean there's an interesting question around john no one no one's asking other than me but like how do you guys think john is going to come back like what is he going to be like you don't it's uh, pretty fresh just kind of like barrack like <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> he's freshly dead i mean not too much difference fresh meat <laughs> that's why they put the the bit in there with catlin she's too far gone yeah. Well, and they keep them on ice at the wall. They put them actually, I think, inside the wall. This is yeah. the bodies. So, yeah. well, I think, you know, George has said that he's not going to have any um, point of view chapters from any undead characters, but okay. it's really difficult to imagine him never having another John chapter. So I think he's going to sidestep that uh-huh. with this thing of putting John's personality inside Ghost and then just putting his body on ice until Mel gets the resurrection done, which. This is why I wonder if it's Mel who kills Shireen. Is I I, I mean I, I don't think she's going to wait several days to do it. I mean we've already seen her seen her have a vision where clearly her Lord of Light or whatever is telling her that it's John that she needs yeah. to save, and I think she's going to crystallize on that. And I wouldn't be surprised if we don't just pretty much open that book to her doing it. See, and I just feel like the idea of Stannis having like facing you know certain defeat to the others like after, like let's say he wins winterfell he takes winterfell the walls breach shit's going down and you know they think they need to sacrifice in order to you know in order to like raise a dragon in order to do something you know and he does it and it doesn't work and like that's the end of the book like and then you know like that i i, I like that more than than the melisandre story i feel like the Melisandre one is probably more likely, but like that idea that just seems like the most Stannis thing to happen would be like him going through that and him willing to do that, you know, like this horrible thing. And then it, you know, it doesn't work. Well, isn't that one of the things supposedly they, that he did tell them happened? Oh, that Stannis burned her? No. I, they, oh, he, I don't think I've burned, ever heard them say when George told us that Stannis burned Shireen. It was just in the context of Shireen is sacrificed, which is why oh, I've never that's been convinced. A totally that different thing then. It. I've never been convinced it's Stannis who does it. And not least because they, as I'm saying, they're separated. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I mean, and like, Mel, they, Mel is with Shireen right now. Yeah. You know, the other and also, thing, he's though, a character. He's like Jamie to them. They've never understood him. Stannis, no, they I have mean. not, and they hated him. They yeah. did not like that character at all. Really, I really resented they, having one of to them liked him. him. I thought 
Well, and they certainly didn't like the actor. They would have done him the courtesy of telling him that they were killing him off and not letting him read it in the script. I don't think that that is something that they really discriminated too much. They seem to do that to a <laughs> lot of people. That to a lot of people. Um, so we know that, just refresh my memory for a second. So we know that Justin Massey is going to the wall with it's with Alison uh, Mormont and, yeah. and who, oh and Tycho Nestor. So I'm like, who is he escorting there? And okay, so that probably isn't relevant in terms of like sacrificial lambs being sent to Mel then. Um, so to get back to Jamie and Brienne for a second, you know, what do you guys see at like let's let's just get down to the get down to brass tacks or whatever, however they say it. That's like a guy thing. I don't really know what it means. I don't know um, what that means. <laughs> Get down to the essentials. I think yeah. you used it pretty accurately. Okay, good. So, um, you know, what? Give me an someone. Give me a an outline of of what their story is, and then in what is their story the rest of the way? What's your guess? What I can't wrap my head around is how they get past Stoneheart. I can't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm no help here. I think the Gendry. <laughs> the Gendry faction or even um, even the Blackfish potentially like somehow cause like muck some shit up and they they're able to get out but do we do we all think they're going to make it past Stoneheart yes yes I do but I don't know how and I Um, don't know I'm, I'm really hoping Pod makes it out and that's a personal choice thing but I just yeah you know, our, what about the Quiet Isle? Is that in anyone's, you know... Like, I think, like, post-Stoneheart, they could go to the Quiet Isle, they could go west, they could go to River Run, they could go, you know, straight to the Vale, like, or they could split up, you know? Like, there's a whole... Oh, I would hate that. <laughs> but, I mean, don't you think, like, I think, Chicky, you've talked about this, that it almost does seem like they get together and then they have to split, their stories have to kind of split, and then they would get back together again in, like the fight against the others but it seems like there might be you know if we think sans if we think brand's going to the veil i don't you know it seems like jamie's not i'll tell you what i 100 percent do i think that if if brand pledges herself to sansa i'm pretty sure sansa's gonna know the fucking words and is not gonna have to go to her you know a little boy to get them sorry still bitter about that okay so uh, I'll shut up. I, I have i have said this since I don't know when. I've never been convinced that Brienne is taking Jamie to Stoneheart. All of fandom thinks it, and I mean all of fandom mm-hmm. thinks it. I understand why they think it. I have just, <laughs> yeah. Look, I've never been convinced that Brienne doesn't have a plan B. Like, why wouldn't she be like, okay, she's been getting all these hints about where Arya might be. She's been, you know, looking for Sansa all this time. Why wouldn't she be like, I'm not going to take Jamie to Stoneheart. And I feel like, and I realize this sounds really out there. I kind of think she went and got him because she's afraid of what Stoneheart might do to him. If she doesn't, she knows that they're after Jamie and he's in the Riverlands. Um, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that that might be why she went and got him. And I so think she's saving him from like red wedding too. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really believe that, but I mean, maybe. Could you see her sacrificing Podrick? Like, making that decision? It's in the 
better interest or the greater no, good? No, I don't think she's sacrificing Podrick. I think what she said was, I'll go get Jamie and bring him to you. And what she's going to try to do is go get Sansa and take Sansa to Stoneheart and Ooh, save I like that. <laughs> that would work. That's what I believe is happening. Uh, that, I mean, that is, that's been what I believe for a long time. And then that Elaine chapter came out and here they're planning to do this tourney. God damn with it. With all these knights showing up in the middle. wasn't in the show. <laughs> And no. we don't know where Jamie and Brienne are. And I like scoured that chapter being like, are any of these people showing up? Potentially, possibly them. I mean, like, uh, that's or what Sander. I think. Sander. Like, that's the other thing. Like, well, I mean, you know, he's, but I mean, just he's geographically between where Jamie and Brienne disappeared in the veil. Like, they, uh, and Brienne's pretty badly injured. So, like, well, he's not far out of the way. Like, but, yeah. He's easy to pick up. And I feel like he would, you know, like, he has a like he has a story with Sansa. They have a story together yeah. that needs. I don't know when they have the resolution of their story, but yes, they definitely have a story, and he could be part of it. But my thing is just, you you go read Jamie's first chapter in Storm, and Jamie's sitting there like when they when Robin Riger Riger whatever catches up with them with that ship full of soldiers, and Jamie's like trying to figure out a way out of it, and he's like, well, I could kill some of them, you know, maybe Brienne can kill some of them, Cleos might kill one, you know, like, he's just, like, he can't figure a way out of it. And the whole time he's sitting there trying to figure a way out of this mess, Brienne comes up with a plan. She yeah. comes up with a plan to go up on the cliff, to drop the boulder. You know, she came up with an idea. Why would we think she wouldn't do that here? Okay. So, yeah. do you think that we see Stoneheart again, if that's the case? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We see her with one of her daughters, do you think? I think the oh, only you know, way say, I think that Jamie and Brienne will probably eventually see her. I just don't think that's the first thing they're doing. Uh-huh. If you're asking, like, I, I do think the way they Stoneheart is stopped is, I mean, that one of her children is, you know, one or two of her children are returned to her. And I think well, that I mean, or there's the blackfish. I mean, that's her, you know, her uncle that is pretty close, you know, that could maybe. I don't know. I mean, she. It's the I, the irony is that she does have like a lot of family still. Well, she has like three of her kids are still alive. Four, right, four, four, four. Sorry. Yeah, Rob's the only one that's dead, and she has you know her uncle, her brother, and her nephew. But I think like if I were writing this, I, I mean, it's you know like I'm really super close to my brother and all that, but I mean, I think <laughs> the um. It, from a writing perspective, it makes a lot more, there's more punch to one of her kids. Yeah. And then her, like, being able to finally, you know, whatever, disincorporate, I don't know, let go, whatever you do, um, versus, well, I mean, say, a know, brother. <laughs> if you're, well, and if you're thinking of Arya as, like, this, you know, messenger of death, I mean, that is, like, the ultimate mercy for Stoneheart would be to be, you know, put out of her misery essentially yeah. in, in yeah. one way or another so I mean mm-hmm. except you know then we get into the timing thing of you know I mean it, it's too like it's too bad that we you know it's too bad George isn't more of an outliner because you could clearly see a scenario where for example Arya joins a you know Arya is part of this acting troupe and they get commissioned by you know the phrase to be at this at the Davin yeah. Frey wedding in River Run and you know she's there as part we of the actually invite you to join the Davin Well no, I mean, you know, like they they get this acting Yeah, troop no, no, it makes sense. And that's for you know that's what brings her to Westeros and then, you know, just all hell breaks loose from there. But I mean, that's the kind of, you know, he's not like a tight 
he's not super tight like that. And there's, you know, when, even when you say it, it sounds like really contrived. And I, you know, I think I would write that, but I don't think he would. Like he'd come up with something maybe a little more, um, a little less like soap opera ish perhaps. See, and I think like if the show had gone full soap opera, I would have loved it. I wouldn't have minded so much. Oh man, we could have had, we could have had crazy scissor lady guys. So one question, and I, I don't know if we're going to have an answer to it or not, but I was thinking about, um, cats last, you know, as we're preparing to do this, Jamie Brian re reread people asking about chapters to read if they don't want to read all the books. And, you know, we always recommend reading cats last chapter in a clash of Kings because, um, you know, it's, it's basically where our, our two favorite characters meet. And, you know, at the time that people wrote that, I don't know that it was necessarily obvious that uh, so much of A Storm of Swords was going to be the story of of Jamie and Brienne together. Like, it was seated in Clash, but, like, quite, I mean, incredibly subtly. And I'm wondering if there's anything that you guys have caught in either the end of Feast or the end of Dance that you feel like is, oh, that's, like... You know, that's the beginning of a beautiful friendship, or that's the beginning of this plot that's going to be dominant that we just don't see coming. You know, is there anything that you feel like that is people shock should read us? apart from like all of Jamie and Brienne's chapters? Basically, what other? <laughs> well, no, just in no, in terms of like the overall story. You know, is there something in dance or feast that you feel is seeded for wins that we'll just be kind of shocked by or surprised by being so important to it, like? Is, you know, is that Justin Massey, Alison Mormont, like, is that going to explode into, you know, into something bigger, for example? Is, um, oh, I can't even think of it, can't even necessarily, or, you know, Elia Sand is sort of very minimally in dance, mm-hmm. but, you know, the, those sample chapters of Wind, she's suddenly a much more prominent character. Yeah. You know, are there things like that that you think might happen that just were really out of the blue? Okay, well, uh, I'll share one that that <laughs> our friend Ash, who occasionally occasionally is on podcast, came up with the other day. She said, and this is very Jamie Brienne related. She's like, she thinks that Cersei will end up talking to Red Ronnet. Oh God. And find out that Red that Jamie punched him because or or I mean, <laughs> slapped yeah, him. Yeah, that totally because he's Cause in he King's is Landing. in King's Landing. Yeah, they yeah. talk about it in Kevin's chapter. Yeah, in the in the epilogue yeah. of Dance. <laughs> God, that'd be so great. I mean, that's a small thing. It's not going to become a huge huge. It would be huge for <laughs> Jamie Brand shippers though. <laughs> I mean, now that you say that or that Ash says that, I totally think that's. Kind I know. Of as soon as she said it, I was like, opera. shit. <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, again, George wrote that Lion and the Rose episode, which is classic soap opera. I mean, that wedding episode is classic soap opera writing in mm-hmm. all of the best ways. So, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's it when you think about like, Okay. When you think of like classic soap operas, when there's a like, you know, oh, you've gone through everything with this couple and it's finally their wedding day and they have the wedding. A good writer is always going to like seed the next two or three like romances within the wedding. So, like, at that reception, there'll be the characters giving the meaningful looks that are, like, kicking off the next set of stories. So, I, I kind of feel like there he, must yeah. there has to be some things in Dance and Feast that are kicking off the next set of stories that we haven't necessarily caught on to. And it's sort of, like, that's what's kind of exciting about it, too, is, like, who knows what we're going to 
you know, if if when we ever get these books, like who the fuck knows what we're gonna fall in love with or what's gonna just like horrify us, you know? <laughs> any other any other tidbits that you guys have caught? Like the whole thing with the, I mean, it, it's in winds, granted, but you know that whole turning in the veil is just like, I mean, that's. So I'm I'm just, I don't know why, why aren't people talking about it more? I'm just like, mm-hmm. obviously, somebody's going to be drawn to this goddamn thing, and who else would it fucking be but Jamie and Brienne? Yeah, why else have it? Why have it in there? Yeah. Yes. Well, I heard someone say that clearly no one can get to it because it's in winter. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and it's by invite like only. Which, you know, has literally stopped every mystery night in the history of mystery right. night. <laughs> From going to any kind of... Going back to um, more to Arthur. Okay. Yeah, and none of these people clearly has ever lived in a cold climate or they'd know that it if you stop let you. weather stop you, you'd never leave your house. Well, and the weather isn't that bad in the Vale. And the thing is, yeah. it's not like they're up in the Erie anymore. They've gone right. down to what? Is it the gates of the moon? I don't know where they are. They're lower. Yeah, they're the gates of the... And, you know, we've also spent a lot of time developing, you know, these, you know, developing like Miranda and Maya, you know, like we've kind of like they're going to play parts in in whatever this is, too, I feel like, you know, like there's a lot of little bit players that we've gotten to know in the veil. And I think because the show just, you know, reduced it to two people that it really, you know, we miss the richness of. um, Yeah. Well, that story that's obviously going to be, you know, a really, I mean, and honestly, like, how fun. Like, those are going to be really fun, awesome chapters. Yeah, this is another thing when everybody's like, oh, it's going to be exactly the same story in the books. I'm like, Santa, like, literally, we have no idea really what Santa's yeah. real story is going to be. We really don't fucking know. There's very little that they did on the show that really indicates to me what well, Sansa's story is going to be. Or Davos, you know, like think about these characters that are oh, just. Oh yeah. I mean, Davos has never oh, he's met not John. He's on fucking any... Skagos. Right, and I mean, yeah. he's never met John. He very I, well might not ever meet John. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like see like if you if you ever read about like Elizabeth the first and like her upbringing which was pretty like traumatic i mean i can see kind of how santa could go into some sort of leadership role at the end of it if that was what george was thinking what the show did no clue i think sansa as a regent in the north makes, makes perfect sense 100 percent sense i'm saying is he really gonna kill both rickon and bran and i mean like yeah we'd makes... love to pretend that it's a modern world where you know the daughter would get the throne because she's the oldest that's but... not what he does that's not what he does he doesn't break the rules of his own world so i mean like i mean like you know i get it i totally get why they did it why they needed to do it with sans on the show dear god hmm. but um i just don't i don't see it i know i'm gonna get flack for that no i mean i you know i it depends like if you think rickon is important and i mean one of the things that george has you know there have been a few instances where he's talked about being influenced by the show and I think one of them was in Shay, and the other one was in Osha. Like, he kind of talked about, um, you know, the show portrayal of Osha making him want to make her a more important character. And, you know, if that's the case, by proxy, you know, Rickon becomes maybe more important. And in the, I don't know if that means anything for his ultimate survival, but it does mean that... Uh, you know, honestly, my thing with Rickon is, why on earth would he have kept him this long if he was just going to kill him at this point? Shaggy dog all the way. I know the shaggy dog, but at the same time, <laughs> it's a little on the nose. I mean, like, you know, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of reasons why he could have called shaggy dog a shaggy dog. And it doesn't necessarily mean that Rickon has nothing to do with the main story. Yeah. 
Um, I, I, and to send Davos all the way out to get him, to have this whole thing, have, you know, Rickon basically the heir waiting off in the wings and then to bring him on to immediately kill him. I don't know. Yeah. It seems a little weird to me. Well, I mean, again, like the entire Northern plot is so, yeah, I mean, there's almost, is there nearly every single plot in the books is different than what the show had. Like, yeah. and the characters are so different. Like I actually made a list of, um, what the end game of the various characters were, and I just can't even like, you know, is Euron going to be killed by Jamie Lannister in King's Landing? No, is <laughs> you know, is like the ones who are dead. Those are the ones that are kind of funny. Like, um, you know, Cersei, she'll be, will she be killed by a pile of rocks? Will all the Tyrells be dead? <laughs> you know, will the, will you know, eight-year-old yeah. Lyanna Mormont be killed in the Battle of Winterfell? You know, like these. Oh. Uh, this is like, yeah. Bizarre. This is the thing. There's so many bizarre things that they did that are just clearly not the books. Like, I am just surprised if much of Sansa's story is the books. I would be very surprised if much of Cersei's story on the show is actually the books. I mean, maybe a little bit, and probably the last two seasons have just been, yeah, egg on really, mm-hmm. not her. Which I mean, she has to have some other end. I mean, like either she ends, either she dies with with the Aegon invasion in King's Landing, or she goes to Casterly Rock and yeah, and dies there. <laughs> like, she's gonna die she's in King's Landing or the Rock. One would assume. Well, you know, just, I mean, I mean, again, maybe we're completely wrong, but I mean, that does. Well, and seem like Euron. Like, I mean, like, who the hell knows what's going on with Euron? Is Euron gonna end up allied with Danny? Is that what's gonna make Danny darker? Like, we really don't know. Yeah, I we mean, really don't know. we really don't know. And we really yeah, don't even I know mean, for sure what characters are going to interact. I mean, I don't right. think you can for sure rule much out because of the show. Yeah, like, I mean, I don't I mean, I I honestly don't expect Jamie, Cersei or Tyrion to ever, ever see Euron Greyjoy. Like, I feel like he's Sam and Garland and Willis Tyrell's like beast to, you know, probably. Yeah, like, I mean, unless, that, but. unless because Cersei flees to the rock, she ends up allying with with Euron, maybe. But isn't there some prophecy with him in the Iron Throne or some vision or dream or something? Yeah, there is. So maybe I think maybe there that is. is. Yeah, I think it's going to be Danny, if anything. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if, especially if he's binding, you know, if he's binding the dragon, like, how, I mean, that's kind of an interesting thought, too, is, like, we think about, you know, dragon binder as, like, the actual physical dragon. What if it's the person? Hmm. Well, isn't I mean, Victorian, that'd be like kind of isn't Victorian the one with the horn right now? Yeah, but I mean, you know, I assume that somehow he's going to get I screwed out of it. I assume Victorian's going to die, but I don't <laughs> he's know. He's going to get screwed out of it somehow, but, you know. Yeah, or that. Does that well, bind like the dragon? That's as one the where person? I, you know, can't happen too soon for my personal taste. Oh well, Euron mm-hmm. and Victorian and Aaron, all of them, same. They just all need to, yeah. Although I mean, you know, then we have these interesting people like Makaro and Marwin, you know, and and like the my favorites, the crew of the Cinnamon Wind, you know, on their way to, you know, on their way to Slaver's Bay, with you know, with Marwin. So I mean, there's like these. You know, the, there's all of these conver- these converging forces in in Essos that you know we got literally none of, and you know this entire yeah. idea of the masters, like we got <laughs> we got none of that in the show. So I mean, yeah, it's really hard for me so to believe much. that anything more than like two percent of the show. Of- well, the whole thing with Sam makes utterly no sense. I mean, uh, yeah, just so disgusting. yeah, it doesn't I, it just- make any sense. So okay. 
let's get to more brass tacks. Um, now that I feel like I'm using the phrase, I'm just going to keep it. Into now you're veering. Um, who do you think is going to sit on the Iron Throne, or will there be an Iron Throne? I don't, I don't think there'll be one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope. No throne. How about you, Clotho? Yeah. I always thought that too, and I always thought this whole separate, you know, go back to separate kingdoms kind of thing. If anything. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. There's not going to be the. I don't think there's going to be the seven kingdoms. So. <laughs> so we all. Yeah. Was a quick we one. all think the ending's bullshit, even though. <laughs> Even though we've been, you know, allegedly told that it's that it's George's ending. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about Endgame before we get to some of our um, listener mail? Quick. I was just gonna say, is there anything about Jamie and Brienne that we should have covered that we didn't? I don't know. I mean, like, I, I mean, like, we all we all already thought they were gonna fuck in the book, so I mean. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I've read fiction before, so I'm pretty sure I got that was gonna happen. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> none of us think for a moment that Jamie's not actually in love with Brienne in the books. So yeah, or that he's gonna he's die by getting crushed by a big castle or in a dumb, yeah, like, not even crushed, so. like just hit by a couple bricks that happened to fall off the section he was standing in, basically. Yeah, he's gonna come. Completely about face and be a different character for no, the end of his story. Uh, no. I guess one thing we didn't talk about is, and maybe we can real quick, is, you know, what of the Tyrion Jamie relationship? Like, the show kind of erases any yeah because they erased any conflict yeah. between them. Yeah. So, they really saw. Know about that? Well, I'd have to. I mean, I can't see George not wanting to tie that up. So I have to believe that there's some sort of resolution to what happened. I kind of think they'll reunite, you know, when they're fighting against the others somewhere in the North or maybe in the Riverlands and they'll have a little reunion. And I mean, they're already softening toward each other in the books. They're not as mad at each other as they were to begin with. They've already talked themselves out of being as mad at each other. So I always thought uh, Jamie was Tyrion's betrayal for love. You know, or, or rather, Danny's betrayal for love was Tyrion um, somehow saving or you know doing something on behalf of Jamie against her. That's possible. Yeah, I, don't I know. mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's it's so funny. I mean, we've literally had in the entire series we've had two scenes of Jamie and Tyrion together, and you know we base this. You know, this relationship is really strong in the books, despite that. So it seems like almost like, again, it'd be really hard, I think, for a writer to not, like, write that together. Like, he obviously has a blast writing them together. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's just like, they think so often of one another. I mean... Well, and there is that one, that battle, and I I apologize, I can never remember what it's called, but that one um, battle that Jamie was up against the one, you know mythical thing oh the savudu thing that yeah, George wrote and extra beyond yeah. meta beyond the beyond the story he wrote right and we're Tyrion, fiction yeah yeah Tyrion helps him but then you know kind of is like you know at the end you know oh i'm the only one who's allowed to kill you you know like it's kind of it's like a little you know they're like super brotherly like say you know super brotherly the whole time and then Tyrion kind of has that little smart ass remark at the end to remind you that you know they don't that there is a conflict between them and yeah, yeah, well, I think to make sure that nobody 
took it as uh, any implication on canon. But yeah, I mean, just the way that he'd, he, yeah, of course he's going to be dying to write it. If Jamie's going to make it long enough to definitely be involved in whatever the war is against the others, then yes, I think he has to reunite with Tyrion because you can't imagine that Tyrion wouldn't be there for that because Danny will have to be there for that. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and Tyrion, I, I think, you know, if I had to think, you know, I, I feel like I'd be shocked if Tyrion died before, like, you know, very, very near the end, if at all. You know, like, I wouldn't be that shocked if, you know, Tyrion was executed by someone for something, because he's a lot darker in the books, but that's going to be, you know, the I, end. I kind of wonder if he's going to discover that, you know, oh, there's that one whore who only oh, that wants has the, the marriage the and who has the... Well, and I kind of wondered if um, there's that fan theory that Penny is his daughter, which mm. is always possible. Which is horrifying. Is that what you meant? I don't yeah, know that it's like French kisser and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I don't I mean, think she how is. How old but... is Penny? She's like, because Tyrion's twenty six. She's so a teenager. She, like she has to be like younger, thirteen or under. Yeah, but yeah, she doesn't well, seem that young. Well, he got married at like twelve, didn't he? Well, I'm saying he's 26, so, I mean, she'd have to be, like, 13 years old to be his kid. Yeah, she doesn't mm-hmm. seem that young. I don't think she's his kid. I really don't. Be crazy. Dear God, um, she better not fucking be. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. You know what this series has plenty of? Incest. <laughs> you don't want more? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Sprinkle a little here and there. Oh, God. It's a mattering of incest. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do we have an email? We do. Um, we actually got an email from someone, a very nice long one, which I'm going to condense slightly. Apologies for that. Um, I believe, I think I'm saying the name right, Mary Claire or Marie Claire. And um, she actually has some stuff about what we were talking about, so we can maybe answer some of this. Um, she says, hello, I've recently returned to your podcast after a long hiatus that started when season eight began production, so I wouldn't be spoiled for the show. <laughs> Some of your season eight podcasts have been so depressing, I've had to listen to them in small chunks. So I've been purging the show by returning to the books and re-listening to your early episodes on Jamie and Brienne chapters and the Winds of Winter and game speculation. These are such fun. Your podcast is my guilty pleasure. Why guilty? Um, no, sorry. <laughs> well, that, but I mean, I am sorry because they were so damn depressing, but um, the episodes that she's talking about. Anyhow, um, she had some thoughts about uh, Dream of Spring. So this fits in with what we're talking about a little bit. And her guess as to uh, Jamie and Brand's whereabouts after they go missing has always been that after surviving whatever happens with Lady Stoneheart or the Brotherhood without banners or the Blackfish or all of the above, that they end up in the care of the ghost of High Heart, who seems pretty good at hiding. The ghost could give um, Brienne insight as to where to go looking for Sansa, which would drive her search forward, and it's about time for that, isn't it? Additionally, I will be surprised if our heroes fully consummate their feelings for each other at this stage of the story, though I think they will get more intimate while in hiding. Brienne doesn't seem to be one to have premarital sex. And Jamie's recent efforts to keep his Kingsguard's vows are directly inspired by Brienne's honor and Cersei's unfaithfulness and rejection of his proposal and his self 
reflective solitary confinement. Jamie is not going to abdicate his responsibility to protect the king or his new commitment to be a father to Tommen, who desperately needs him um, in order to run away with Brienne, at least not permanently. Uh, Once his wounds are healed, basically, and Brienne doesn't need him anymore, um, she thinks he'll return to King's Landing. Uh, But I also think that after he arrives, Cersei will find a way to kick him out of the King's Guard and strip him of Casterly Rock. I used to think he would, basically, that Cersei would sentence him to take the Black, where he would eventually become Lord Commander and meet Brienne in the North fighting against the others. Um, Again, I'm condensing. I'm sorry. It's just we've been on for a long time. This is a long email, but... um, can I ask, what do you guys think about this Brienne not being into premarital sex? I, I mean, I, opinions. I, don't, I don't think it's going to be like it. on the show where her virginity is a burden that she's going to just slough off, you know, in a drunken game of never have I ever. I mean, like when, the, you know, they had the bet, it wasn't necessarily her thinking like, oh, I don't want to have sex because I'm not married. It was like, I don't yeah. want to have sex because like these fuckers are all lying to me. Yeah, like, yeah. I feel like she have sex, especially if she all the shit she's gone oh, through. Yeah, it's pretty traumatic. Yeah, she's had a... Yeah, it's, her life experience has, like, been so just traumatic recently. And she's... Yeah. Like, she's... I, <laughs> she doesn't person. have any desires to want to get married, so mm. why not fuck? <laughs> I think what this comes down to is, um, she'd fuck Jamie. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's but just... She won't fuck Kyle, like, but she'd fuck Jamie. Yeah. I mean, well, she- like, and I don't know that there like is force. this big, like, no premarital sex thing. I mean, because, you know, like, it never comes up in, you know, when Hyle's trying to seduce her. There's no there's no concept of that. Even, like, right, you know, she doesn't. when yeah. Cersei and Robert were married, like, I think we're supposed to think that, you know, Robert just assumed she was a virgin, but it wasn't really... Well, Cersei talks, there's a couple deal. characters who talk about how it's fairly easy for women to claim that they're not virgins because of, or that they're virgins and they lost their, you know, yeah, their hymen's ruptured because of horseback is, riding or whatever. And don't you not think that his, men have any idea Well, either, yeah, like, I mean, and well, historically, I think to a certain extent this has been, I remember reading, like, I don't know why I'm thinking of the Amish, but I read this study, it was a sociology <laughs> book about the Amish people. And it was like they have that it was a rumsprunga. Like they, they, yeah. you yeah. think they're so chaste, but the kids end up having sex very young. Like I don't know. It's like you, I think maybe historically we're sort of putting these things on people. And yes, I know there's a whole idea you're supposed to be a virgin, but I think people were doing it. And oh they God, were finding yeah. so many ways to do it. It was just this myth that like oh everybody was well, and, you know, and everyone's doing it. Yeah. Like well, and half of it was if you get married young enough, you probably maybe wouldn't have to have premarital sex because you got married so goddamn <laughs> Yeah, or if it, they got well, married, yeah, you probably not running around at with the series, eight but, yeah. or whatever. Um, anyhow, she has a whole. Th- I, I apologize for. She basically sees them getting together, but she sees it being like a longer game. And she sees, um, this is our our commenter here, that they end up, you know, basically after they have this whole arc, that they do end up together. So she's not suggesting they don't. Um, And I apologize for not reading all of this. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of talked about ways that they could split up after getting together. Yeah, we we talked about the fact that they probably will have to be split up. Here, I here's what I want to say: we kind of, we, we so kind of, we kind of in our group DM had a discussion about this the other day. I don't know if all you guys were there, but about 
okay, are they ready to fucking win? Are they ready to fuck right now? Yeah. Or will it have to be when they reunite after whatever they split up for? Like when they reunite in the north, and it's like it depends. Like if they go through that whole like, oh my god, we almost died, but we're alive scenario. Well, uh, or here's, the here's, you know. here's my thing. Here's my thing. So Brienne's like second to last chapter or something like that is Hyle saying the shit about him wanting to come to her room and blah blah blah. You know, and she's like, try it. You know, do you guys yeah. remember? <laughs> yeah. Of course. Hyle's so great. Sorry, but I just love him. He's such an ass. <laughs> Me too. George, so George is putting that in your mind, yeah. right? In like one of your last Brienne chapters that you read, and then in Jamie's last chapter in Dance, Jesus fucking Christ, he walks in on these people banging. <laughs> And he's attracted to the girl that who's I, she's like a camp follower. Healthy, I think yeah. I, I don't think she's exactly a prostitute, but um, he's very horny. I'm just going to say it in this yeah, chapter. He's very carnally involved. And George has very carefully kind of excised most of his Cersei reference as far as his, you know, sexual attraction. It's very clear that both of them are on the market, I guess, is what I would and say. And her, yeah, and her, del- when she's delirious and she's thinking about him, I just think there's so much sexual error. And I'm sorry, if they're together that long, they're not gonna be able to, they're not gonna be able to like contain That's it. That's my thing. How way. long can George have them together without there's something no happening? Well, I mean, she's pretty badly hurt, <laughs> but then that takes you to the Quiet Isle and the whole okay, like, well, we are they gonna that. get married we in the Quiet Isle? Thing. Doesn't matter how. Hurt. Yeah, that's I know. I'm like, oh, that, that's she got like <laughs> shot in the arm with an arrow. That did seem she got, like face broken her. ribs. And, like, okay, we've arm. already mentioned soap operas. Clearly, and I know Guile, you've watched them. Yeah, that we've doesn't seen matter. characters who have temperatures <laughs> of 106 it's who are true. wounded who still manage to get together with the one character and sire a kid that ends up disappearing. Yeah, but that's another story. That, yeah, that has never stopped. Yeah, it won't be I mean, I could almost envision, and again, this is going to go to the soap opera. Side, but I mean, I could envision them going to the quiet aisle and getting married, but not consummating it because, uh, like, they're you know, she's uh, too injured. If they get married, they're definitely fucking. I mean, I, I've never <laughs> been convinced they'll get married, but it'll be like a marriage of convenience. And then he, ha- I mean, if this was purely a romance novel and not necessarily like about the greater thing. They would clearly get married, and then he would have yeah. to leave, and there'd be all this doubt about whether well, or not then, it was real, and then we'd then find there out would be it's a lot more buildup than there uh, is. But I mean, it's like they've had their buildup. Oh, like yeah, yeah. this is as much buildup as you're ever going to get from George for a romance. Yeah, I don't fighting we've ever... and the oh god, the sex fight. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, go go read John and he grit again. I mean, like <laughs> there's not a lot of buildup. It's pretty much. I mean, she he was like a sixteen-year-old boy who <laughs> shouldn't have taken much. <laughs> of course, so is Jamie, like in his in his soul, so yes. emotionally, probably. Uh, anyhow, she finishes up. Um, oh, she actually agrees with you guys about the um. Her she has a theory about Stoneheart. Um, you know, after seeing episode two and Jamie knighting Brienne, it made her wonder what if Jamie is in, or Gendry is in the picture and sides with Brienne in the Riverlands. So that was going back to what you guys were saying about like potentially how they get out of it. Um, he may be disgusted by Stoneheart and what the Brotherhood without banners has become. If he's also in hiding with Jamie and Brienne, I can see Jamie deciding if Gendry is a knight, then Brienne ought to be knighted too and telling. Gendry to stick with her and how to be a proper knight. This is, you know, this is really well thought out and 
if you haven't thought about writing thick, maybe you should, because mm-hmm. I would read this. Um, she's also got some questions about, like, wouldn't it be cool if Jamie brings Peck the Squire and Pia the Washerwoman with her, and they all end up with Brienne? I mean, yeah, um, because otherwise they're all going to get killed. Pia <laughs> might be the first woman to treat Brienne normally, and Jamie needs someone to help him dress, doesn't he? This is true. Um, if... Well, Jamie Brienne's and Brienne there. get married. I want to read about um, Jenna Lannister um, meeting her new niece. Thanks oh. for bearing with me. It's a long email, I know. And then we got another email from Kim who says... That was new- a great email, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Yes, it was. And I, I really want to reiterate, like, if you write, this this is a good idea. That There's a lot of call for fix it, fit, right, fix it Fick right now, and I'd read the hell out of that. Um, okay, our next email is from Kim, who's a new listener, longtime book reader. I quit the show after season seven and was tricked into returning by Brienne's knighting. <laughs> Me too. Um, fortunately, I have found you guys through Twitter and have listened to all the show episodes this week. You've really oh, helped geez. me <laughs> overcome the anger stage of my grief. I think I, I was can't start- even imagine how that helped, like listening to all <laughs> of them in a row. Oh my god! But she says, "I think I was starting to spook my family and friends." No. I'm genuinely excited. You're still gonna keep podcasting. I can't wait for the emotional palate cleanse of rereading those chapters. Though will I, though I will admit, sometimes I hope that winter never comes, as most of my faves are safe and happy. Period. Yeah. For She's now. There. Yeah, hot pie Wishing safe. love and peace, Kim. <laughs> um, and I, I'm just going to read one or two of the emails. We're still working through your emails, guys, from um, um, that one episode <laughs> where you guys just overwhelmed us, which we love. <laughs> um, really awesome costumes writes, hey, longtime lurker, thanks for the years of quality entertainment. Your show is amazing. I recently re-listened to your JB POV read-through, and it was amazing and insightful and also a terrible mistake. Revisiting Jamie and Brienne right now before watching season eight made everything feel so much worse. I was actually more pissed off at episode two because show Brienne got the payoff of book Brienne's hard work without any effort or suffering of her own. Love your show, not the show. I loved your take on episode four. I'll def- definitely still definitely be a shipper and a listener after the season ends. Thanks for all the years of quality podcasting. Oh, thank you. And, um, I just want to re- <laughs> feel bad about this one, but one last one. Um, Book Jamie Brienne uh, says, "Hey everyone, I'm. S- this is clearly." from before the show because you'll hear it um i'm still sobering up from last week's atrocity danny pulling to john con and going apeshit over the bells the stupidity that was clicking bull and of course everything about jamie then and cecilia or whatever the fuck they're called <laughs> i think that's supposed to be cersei um till the valencon crease killed them <laughs> <laughs> I like that good written the that's fact good. that i know people in real life who called this an quote unquote excellent episode is killing my follicles and will probably make me bald before I hit 25 thank god the episode is over tonight (laughs) strength to you because all the leaks look hellish well they were and they were true (laughs) but uh, (laughs) you know like I said thanks (laughs) and I think that's we'll leave the rest of this for another episode 
All right. Well, speaking of other episodes, our next episode uh, we'll be recording this weekend, and it's our ninth drunk cast. Um, these are fairly infamous episodes, and we would love – and I, by fairly infamous, I mean really infamous. I don't know, right? Like – uh, Someone so may urinate on Mike. <laughs> Someone <laughs> I mean, no one's like puked on Mike yet, so I mean, maybe that's like our next, our next, um, next bar. <laughs> yeah, our next bar to cross is that. Um, <laughs> aim high, ladies, <laughs> or, or just aim for the bu- aim just for the garbage. Aim. Just aim. Yeah. <laughs> just aim. Um, so we've got that coming up, and we would love your questions, and you can. Send us Gmail at close the door and at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at door podcast. You can find us at close the door and come here on Tumblr. And then also, like I said before, um, in the Jamie Brienne subreddit, which is our r slash Jamie Brienne, um, we will have a sticky thread at the top of that subreddit to gather up questions for the drunk cast. Um, if that is, if you're a redditor, but in any case, we would love to get your questions for drunk cast. Um, you know, just keep them in the spirit of questions that people can answer when they're drunk. Because uh, one thing to know about drunk cast is we we legit are drunk. <laughs> so yeah, our our capacity yeah. for uh, for some we're of these questions is is a bit limited. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. Um, you can find and find like and review us on iTunes, on Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, all of the places that you listen to podcasts. And you can also become a Patreon and support the podcast that way. And our Patreon members get um, extra benefits like uh, episodes early, etc. So with that, ladies, um, I am closing the door. Get out.